Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are here with episode number three. We're so excited to have everyone join us again. Thank you for all the love. We appreciate it. We are Haunted in Manas. You know what? <laughs> it's okay. So we are very excited about this episode. It is on people who experience Halloween every day. And people that I think are very ballsy. <laughs> mm -hmm. My role um, models. <laughs> right. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> Uh, who are dedicated to the paranormal world and um, dedicated to the craft <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i value them very much because they're very entertaining but this is a hobby to a lot of people and it's a job for a lot of people mm -hmm. it's a passion for a lot of people too yes and they even have their own dedicated day which is the last saturday of september oh, what so what? Yes. You're lying. <laughs> We're celebrating. So I am talking about paranormal researchers, also known as ghost hunters. We have a special surprise for everybody later on in the episode. So if you want to skip, fine. But at least skip to the end and listen to our special surprise that we have for everybody. Okay, so we're very excited about this episode because we are switching it up a little bit. I am doing the research section once again. Gabriella is going to do the campfire tale. And then for Andrea's portion, she's going to have a special guest yes. who is going to tell us some spooky tales from their That's personal spooky. experience. I found him on TikTok. So it's a good thing I made our TikTok and you guys follow it. Thank you very much. Okay, Cindy, go ahead and tell us your research topic. So ghost hunting is the process of investigating locations that are reported to be haunted by ghosts. The goal is to attempt to collect evidence supporting the existence of paranormal activity. And fun fact, paranormal research actually dates back to the 18th century. I think I mentioned before how in the late 1800s, spirituality became very popular. It was known as the spiritualistic era. Did I mention that to you guys before? No, this is the first for no. me. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So like Victorian era, that was uh, big. That's like when a lot of people were doing seances and oh, they, no. mm -hmm, they, because there was, you know, death rates were higher back then because yeah. of the lack yeah. of uh, modern medicine. A lot of individuals, and even like the Civil War, like a lot of individuals lost family members and loved ones during the Civil War. So they were trying to reconnect with the dead. So spiritualist, spiritual. Oh my God, I cannot say that. <laughs> Spirit, spiritualistic era became popular. So one of the first organizations was the Society for Physical Research, and they started off in the 1800s in London. And another organization founded to investigate paranormal phenomena is London's Ghost Club. So these are the OGs of paranormal investigators, I would say. Hold up. So ghost hunting was popularized in the 2000s by television series such as Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. As you know, we got into it. 
and a lot of mm -hmm, a lot of people got into it that's when really like paranormal really came into mass media i would say so ghost hunting has gotten so popular that it's not just like your local teens going out on ghost adventures at like local cemeteries and abandoned buildings but there are a lot of societies out there and just about and everywhere, no matter where you're located, you probably have a society of paranormal investigators of some sort. Some of the well-known ones are, for example, Connecticut Paranormal Research Society. As you know, Connecticut is haunted AF. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Truth. I mean, there's so many ghost stories and yeah. movies I mean, and shows come on. A haunting on in Connecticut. <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. haunting it is always stuff. links back to Connecticut. Like I swear, I think that's the most haunted state. I swear, I think so too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to go. I know. Can we stay in a Victorian home or in? I've been. <laughs> You've been to Connecticut? Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. For Yale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That program. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have never been. I want to go so bad. It's so old and perfect. It was really it. cute. It was so cool. So another popular one is the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. They do have um, Amish hauntings too. Remember the show? It was straight Amish people in their hauntings. Oh my god, that was so scary. <laughs> yeah. I definitely recommend that. It, Pennsylvania has yeah. a lot of hauntings and they have yeah. that huge that huge hospital. Gabriella, you went to it, right? It was Pen like they, it's a real haunted hospital, but they also use it for uh during Halloween season as um oh, it's like not a haunted a house. It's a old prison. It's, oh, um, that's right. I could look it up actually, and I could post it on our Instagram page because it's it's really well known and that shit. Yeah, I think like spooky. everyone has to have heard it, even if they don't believe in the paranormal because it's so popular. It's, it's such a, very popular. Yeah, yes, yeah. Pennsylvania has some good haunts, and also another popular organization is Ghost Hunters of South Florida. Shout out to them. Whoop whoop. They gave us some love on our Instagram. Yes, they are doing fantastic things. It's they invited us to do uh, some um, huntings with them. So Stop. we should definitely yes. I would love to. I know. Uh, we are like all of our family is in Miami, Florida. So you know we can kill two birds with one stone, but that would be fantastic. And of course, we had to look into our own locals and for the washington dc area there are quite a few paranormal societies and ghost hunters starting with washington dc there is one called shenandoah shadows and from rockville maryland there is one called east coast research and investigation of the paranormal Aww, moco that's right here shout Yay. out to them and alexandria virginia has alexandria crypt zoology and paranormal society so basically if you live in those areas and you need assistance with ghost huntings or getting some spirits taken out of your home hit those people up they'll be happy to assist so i have a fun fact the city of savannah georgia which i am dying to visit i have never been to savannah and everyone i know who has been there says i will love it there because it's like haunted old <laughs> historical haunted af yes everything and good ass food in georgia 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 <laughs> georgia so you just better but... oh, peach street get some peach mm -hmm. yes 
with some peach tea. <laughs> I want to shout out a couple of notable paranormal investigators. And I'm going to start with my ultimate favorite, which is Ed and Lorraine Warren. They stole my heart. They are my people. <laughs> so for those who are not familiar with them, Ed and Lorraine were a husband and wife duo, paranormal investigators team, and authors associated with uh, famous hauntings from the 1950s to even the present. Um, Ed was a demonologist, and Lorraine was a clairvoyant and psychic medium who worked closely with her husband. So in 1952, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Over 10,000 investigations were conducted by the two, and their most famous investigation, or what they are well known for, is their involvement with the Amityville Horror, which is a very popular case from the 70s that turned into a book and a movie. I but I've watched uh, numerous documentaries about them, and surprisingly, a lot of hauntings could, are like related back to them somehow. They're exactly. Yes. They're like exactly. literally the the king and queen of paranormal research and ghost hunting. Mm -hmm. and exactly. Hauntings, like. Mm -hmm. Gabriella nailed it. So, yeah. um, they are related to movies like. The Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Annabelle. They um, worked closely with uh, the directors of, of the movies. and well, As well as the actors and actresses. Oh, I, yeah. Um, recently learned that um, they got really close and personal just to get a better understanding of how these um, actors and actresses should be portraying them. And they were telling them uh, their own personal stuff that they would go through. Yeah, and another fun fact, Conjuring 2, the Sev Conjuring 2 was Haunted AF, and Lorraine would use her psychic abilities on a lot of the actors and production crew, and they <gasps> she, they would be freaked out by her, but, like, appreciated her at the same time. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I, I just love them so much. That's awesome. <laughs> so spooky, but awesome. I know, I'd yeah. be conflicted. <laughs> so another notable paranormal investigator is John Zaffis. So John oh, Zaffis yeah. is a researcher also based in Connecticut. He starred in the sci-fi paranormal reality TV show called Haunted Collector, which I know, Gabriella, you and I have watched this movie. I mean, Wait. this show together. Isn't he related? Like, isn't he like, like the nephew of yes, exactly. um, <gasps> Holy of Ed and Lorraine? Shit. Oh, Ed and Lorraine. Oh my god! Yes, I so, remember this. Mm -hmm. So he spent years studying under his uncle and his aunt, and he has his own collection of haunted items, and also runs the Paranormal and Demonology Research Society of New England. Oh which he gosh. himself founded in 1998. Ghost hunting can be very simple or complex depending on the methods that you use to research and hunt. <laughs> uh, so you can do something as simple as interview landowners or do historical research 
and utilized a Ouija board to communicate with spirits on the area that you're investigating. Yeah, that's a no for or, me. I can't yeah, no. no. Which, by the way, yes, that's a whole other thing. We will have to do an episode on Ouija boards because I don't fuck with those. Nope. And I want to be able to explain why I'm scared shitless of those. So more on the complex side are equipments like the ambient temperature measurement, like what they're called, like thermal imaging cameras and infrared thermometers. All of these methods only measure surface temperature and non-ambient temperature. Things that um, I really don't understand and I need to be a little more educated on. You know you know how to educate cool. yourself? How? You, you play the game Phasmophobia. <laughs> what is that? It's a, it's a game on PC and you literally are in a simulation of ghost hunting. But what, you dude, die. That sounds cool. It is you so die. It's sca- I know. It's scary. I scream wait, a lot. Wait, what is it called? Phasmophobia. Alejandro got me hip to it. We play and I ghost hunt. I use the EFP. <laughs> and then I use a camera. And then Oh. I die a Andrea, lot. Andrea, now that you mentioned it, what is a EVP? I thought it was EFP. Is it oh. EVP? EVP. Oh, well, shit. I don't know unless okay, you tell me what you know and I'll tell you what I know. Bitch, I don't know what the hell is. <laughs> Bitch, you've been saying like? it wrong the whole time. Thank God we haven't <laughs> gone on any like ghost huntings with professionals. Be like Bitch. I don't know what it's <laughs> called. Like, oh, I know the ghost box. <laughs> the ghost box is my favorite thing ever. Oh my god. Okay, don't okay, hold that thought. Okay. So EVP is electronic voice phenomenon. I yes. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so they are a digital and analog audio recording. And basically they interpret disembodied voices. So that is what you use in your game. And it's very calming in the ghost hunting world. So another thing that is common that is used is dowsing rods. So they are constructed of brass and bent into L shape. Another is another equipment is EMF meter and they detect possibly unexplained electromagnetic fields during the hunt. That's what the F is from. That's why I was confused. They I think started so. with I e. think so. I, I, I thought of that. Yep. <laughs> I was like, she's probably thinking of this. They but, yeah. look the same a bit, too, so. Yeah. I really need to dig in and, and research on each of these. You know, I think I'm an expert in, then, in them, and then my true colors just showed right here. I don't know shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. that's an EVP. I know that. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know about that. Oh, my God. Y'all don't know about the ghost box, okay? Oh, okay. So now that you mention it, the scariest, in my opinion, is the ghost box. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. A ghost box is a radio with a frequency a frequency scan mode that some ghost hunters claim allows communication with spirits, and it usually sounds like like that until someone like until a ghost says something. So it's like get out die <laughs> go to hell that's pretty accurate i'm hungry <laughs> that is really that's accurate actually oh my god 
Yeah. What is your name? And it's just, just Susan. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fine with that. Die, bitch. <laughs> oh that shit happens all the time. When it does. One time, what it does. You know, if, uh. I, if I'm using a ghost box and something like that comes out, I'm I'm gone. I'm out of there. Yeah. I'm out of there. They'll be like, get out. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> Walk yeah, straight yeah, out yeah, the door. Bye, bye. Adios. Bye, con Dios. <laughs> I'm out, young. <laughs> so another method is consulting with spiritual leaders, like clergymen and psychic mediums. So... Bringing those individuals on your ghost hunting is beneficial because psychic mediums, for example, can let you know exactly what is there and, um, you know, what communication the ghosts want to have with you. <laughs> and oh. then, a, you know, any spiritual leaders like, a, like you know, priests or um, clergymen, whatever, of any sort. They will be beneficial because if there is evil spirits uh, present, then they can rebuke them. That was <laughs> like they can wonderful. just send them away. Um, and yeah, they throw that holy that water shit. like like people mm -hmm. be throwing one dollar bills at strip clubs. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Holy, you don't want water. that shit following holy you. Water. Nope. Okay, so funny enough, I, I know I keep re referencing TikTok, but because I watch a lot of, like, paranormal TikTok, this, I follow this, like, psychic medium, and she said, like, one of her clients, like, they were experiencing a ton of stuff, and so this guy walks up to, the ghost walks up to here, he, he's like, hey, she's like, hey, you've been bothering these people, he's like, I know, <laughs> and she's like, well, they want you to stop, he's like, why? <laughs> and she's like because they're scared of you he's like oh okay i don't want to leave though and she's like okay but you can't scare them anymore he's like fine but i get the hallway closet and she's they're like okay okay Harry and he's Potter. like and he's like and what's the cat's name i like the cat and the cat's like it's like henry or something he's like henry 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 you're like echoing the name to the medium because he likes the That's cat so wild. much. It's so funny. I, I thought he's it. like fine, but I get the closet in the hallway. He's like, okay, shit, I'm not opening but, that closet yeah. anymore. I would definitely, if that would happen to me, I would make sure the closet's all clean and cozy and organized. Yeah, and put Henry in there. Henry framed Henry the in the cat. closet. Yes, make a little shrine to the cat. That is hilarious. <laughs> Have like a Henry shrine in there. <laughs> it's so but, funny. I'll I'll see if I can find the TikTok and post it. I don't. It was just really funny to me. Those are hilarious. Those are the best. But um, he needs to pay for rent first. Mm. Right. I know. Like, hold up. Okay. You're gonna take <laughs> my closet. <laughs> what? You better pay. That's that's right? like 120 a month right there. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yes, that's my research on ghost hunters. A lot of respect on these folks. I don't have the balls yet to do ghost hunting. But I'm hoping that one day, soon, I will, once I do some more research on the equipment that's used, um, how can uh, how I can avoid having any of the spirits following me back home, because, you know, that's yep. mom's biggest fear. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, okay, bringing it back to my boys, Taps, one episode, the guy, I can't remember their names, of course, because it's been freaking years. But I think it's Grant. But they went and did a like a, a ghost hunt at this like old factory, and a lot of the children 
died because they would slip into the machines because they were so little or like you know obviously fingers would be cut hands whatever and so Fucking child they, labor. yeah so they would they were talking to like a child that was there in the factory and grant was like oh like you like me whatever and he was like like are you gonna follow me home and the child's like yes and so he's like all right well let me call my wife real quick pulls out his phone and they show it in the episode he calls his wife he's like hey like we might have a spirit come back home with us and she's just like okay like cool with it i'm like what the fuck at least oh, it's a yeah, child spirit remember. yeah th that episode <laughs> nah. has stuck with me for so long also, we'll see if I can find um, they're it. They're acting like this child spirit is like a puppy that he found on the side of the road. <laughs> no! Can I bring this little child goes back home with me? No! Well, sometimes you don't got a choice. Sometimes they just follow you. And it was back in the day in which they didn't bring along any sort of protection or any spiritual medium. It was just straight ghost hunting and that's it. I wonder what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder I, if they like you know gave what? the child a hallway closet. So <laughs> and and gave that <laughs> cat named Henry to them. But I do remember hearing that there was a lot of activity in his house at some point and they had to like to throw some holy water back or some shit. I mean, probably. I mean, yeah. that's just a risk that you take when you, you know, Ghost do hunt. these paranormal investigations. Yeah. So, um, quick thing. I felt really special today because I had a friend text me and was like listen i feel like i have to clear out some negative energy in my house where do you recommend i get sage oh my gosh oh <laughs> uh, she's like and also what prayers could i use oh, and i'm like so oh cute. my god thank you so much for reaching out to me i you're like, I got this. <laughs> like, I'm honored. I'm an expert. I, honored. I felt like a, um, like a professional, but I'm a fraud. <laughs> I only know a little bit. Gabriella really is the, the sister that knows the most and is very experienced when it comes to spiritual objects. I would say like crystals and her demon in the attic that she hangs out with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would love I to eventually get to the point where we are able to visit haunted places and either record there or, you know, record about the place. Yeah. But I do want to be able to travel and visit these places, but in a safe way. Correct. I yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I feel like if we actually do it, I, well, me personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but i rather hear something than actually see something, you know? I'd right. rather... I think that, like, once you, once you experience something visually, that is, like, that, like, Scurry. vision is such a strong sense. Like, that's going to be burned <laughs> in your brain Girl, forever. Just, just, well, I'll take yeah. our glasses off. That way our vision sense. <laughs> what? That's so smart. <laughs> We see black. Yeah. And we're going deaf too. So I know, dude. <laughs> we're screwed. Maybe at this point, if they touch us, then we'll be scared. <laughs> like, I feel like you guys wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a ghost and me 
because my hands <laughs> are always cold. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. And like they're small too. She's like a chip. I swear to God, she has a child's hand. I like. I'm not lying. Her hands are super small, and pale, and 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 slimy. And and so I feel like ew. A child spirit is touching me. Meanwhile, it's Cindy like <laughs> coming up behind me. Wait, you know what's worse, Andrea? You know what's worse? Her feet. When you're sleeping in bed <laughs> with her. And then you feel her cold ass toes and feet. <laughs> I love that. That's the best it's feeling. So... And I'll always do it to you guys. We don't need to go uh... somewhere. We got Cindy's tiny ass over here. <laughs> we experienced it already. So, Gabriella, your campfire tales. Let's yeah. hear it. Um, yeah, yeah, so as you stated, Cindy, I am doing the campfire tale for this episode. And I actually found my story on Reddit, and the title of it is The Hat Man and Ghost Hunting Story. Ooh. I know about the hat man. Sorry. I know. I know about the hat man, and Do you know the muffin man? Don't. You never want to come across the hat man. Do you know the hat man? No, please. I'm scared. The hat man. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) All right. So this was October 2012 and I was 18. I was dating a guy that was into ghost hunting and we decided to go to Livermore with his best friend. We cleaned the car and headed out at 11 p.m. If anyone has never heard of the place, Livermore was once a town that burned a witch alive. As she died, she placed a curse on the town to flood and on the anniversary of her death, the town indeed flooded. Legend has it that she still stalks the area with her hellhounds. As we were going up and down the hills, I could see a figure in a meadow that would change distances from the road whenever we would pass tree patches. I would also see what looked like dogs darting across the road in the mist that settled in the low spots of the road. We finally reached our destination and crossed the railroad tracks into the gravel before the gate to the cemetery. At the time, I did not believe in the paranormal and I really thought they were trying to scare me. We turned the car off and waited. About 20 minutes into waiting we were talking in the car and the windows fogged up. I was in the back seat when both my then boyfriend and his friend gave me a wide eye stare. Behind my head on the rear windshield formed two handprints on either side of my head. I brushed it off saying they are from cleaning the car earlier. We waited to see if anything else happened for another 30 minutes. When nothing happened, we turned the car on. Nothing. Try again. Nothing. The car wouldn't start, and by now, more handprints covered the windows. Finally, after four attempts, the car started, and we headed out the way we came. As soon as we got to the railroad tracks, the car stalled and died. On the far end of the rail line, there was a bright light. I couldn't tell if it was an active set of tracks or not, but I started to get very scared and wanted to get out of the car. We managed to start the car again and got out. We haven't returned since. Fast forward three days and the guys went out to the bar in nearby Altoona. I was home alone and I was getting ready for bed. We lived in a third story apartment in town where nothing happened. Getting ready for bed, I turned off all the lights and made sure the door was locked. I wasn't expecting them until after 2.30. I laid in bed with my back to the door when I started feeling this sense of dread. 
It was a feeling I will never forget with a heavy, almost electric kind of pressure, and I began to feel cold. Suddenly, a lamb turned on by itself. The apartment was old, and I figured it was faulty wiring, so I got up, turned it off, and laid back down. A few minutes later, I felt the dread again, and this time I began to feel my skin prickle with bumps. Again, the light turned back on, and I got up to turn it off and unplug the light. I laid in bed trying to put myself back to sleep when again I felt the pressure and it was cold. Between the bedroom doors was a patch of flooring that creaked if you stepped on it. And believe me when I say that it was cracking as if some heavy-footed person was pacing over the area. By now, I was a little frightened and started praying. The light I unplugged somehow turned back on and the hair on my body stood at end. I don't know what it was, but it grabbed my ankles and pulled me up six inches off the bed to where half of my shins were hanging off. Mm-mm. I sleep with my head touching the headboard slash wall, and this made me lose my shit. I hurried up and grabbed my keys and bag and ran, almost tripping out of the apartment and the three flights of stairs. I got into my car and immediately got my best friend on the phone crying hysterically. Before I left for his place, it was about midnight by now, I looked up to our porch slash balcony to see a tall figure wearing a trench coat that looked like a long brimmed hat. He had gray hair and a beard and red glowing eyes. He smiled at me as he waved slowly from side to side as if saying, gotcha. (gasps) That smile, I will never forget that smile. I haven't seen him since that night, but occasionally I catch dark figures or shadows in the peripherals of my sight, and they dart away when I try to look at them. I often feel as if I'm being watched in my sleep or when I'm awake at night, and I know the blinds are drawn and the doors are locked. Call it paranoia, but after the bruises on my ankles and the sight of what I believe came to find out was the hat man, I am now a believer in the paranormal. And that is the end of my spooky and scary campfire tale. Dang. I couldn't... Oh. Okay, so the only thing you could actually debunk from this story is, like, seeing something, like, a dark black figure in the corner of your eye, and then when you look, it disappears, because that's, like, it happens to all of us. Because that shit happens to me all the time, and for the longest time, not the longest time, but when I was young, I was like, maybe I'm seeing something paranormal. And then Dad was like, no, dude, that's something that happens to all of us. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. the OG debunker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, but everything else, Jesus Christ. I just got chills thinking about him standing there waving oh no yeah, smiling that's, no. That's, that's red eyes guys. that's red eyes skin. and you know cindy i know you know got the ghosts with tall hats or hats mm-hmm. in general hat men i'm getting like multiple chills and like yeah. the gray hair not like a whole other level of evil i would have flicked him off <laughs> like what you're waving at me i would have flicked you off like what are you gonna do like follow me yes in my car yes okay well anyway all right, guys. So now we have Tristan joining us from LA. Welcome, Tristan. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate you. Yes, it's, so it's a pleasure fun. to meet you all. I can't. I'm so excited to listen to your stories. I watched your TikToks. Your actually recent TikToks, and oh, <laughs> I got scared. 
okay. did you really can you explain to Gabriel and I Andrea how like how you found him and because so like I don't have TikTok I'm in my early 30s <laughs> okay I am too old for TikTok it's never Andrea. too late <laughs> I that's what I say I just made a TikTok account for our podcast which everyone must follow at Haunted Admanas thank you and I was just like trolling through paranormal stuff Mm-hmm. And I saw, I came across yours. I can't remember which story because I was just like going through all your TikToks. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, there is this one funny TikTok you posted. I was like, I didn't, I can't believe I didn't think of doing this as like a Halloween costume. I can't, oh, it's like a, a. The ghost. one where you're, you're like, the one, oh, spit in my mouth, spit in my mouth. And then it's the pictures of the ghosts in the <laughs> yes, bikinis. Yes, yeah. That was <laughs> so funny. I was like, why did I never think of doing this? But. anyway and then i was like oh i like commented like on another tiktok like oh we should like get your story and like tristan was like gracious enough to even come and join us and tell it from from his experience so well i was so excited because you kind of made me feel a little bit like a celebrity because i only have i think like 185 followers right now and i opened my tiktok and i look and just you commented a whole bunch of them i was like oh my god people are engaging this is so exciting (laughs) And and then it said uh, do you want to be on our podcast? And I was like, oh my God, I've made it. This is great. <laughs> this is so it. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. So, you know, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We are honored. I, I find people in our community, you know, that we can connect with and kind of share because I think the paranormal community is, is very niche. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think it's a really awesome niche environment where people can kind of just like share paranormal stories without being judged. Cause I think there is kind of a, um, not a stereotype or a, I, some people just, you know, are flat out non-believers. So when you share right. stories like that on social media, a lot of people will like throw hate or shade and just be like, Hey, yeah. you know, you're crazy. And then they like, you know, you're, what you're saying isn't true. Right. Exactly. It's, like, it's some Halloween stage and I'm like, but you guys don't understand. It's not. Right. <laughs> a lot of times it's not. Yeah. Just play with the Ouija board. Okay. Oh my God. Then come talk to us. Yeah. And then play with the Ouija board and then. Exactly. I could use more emails anyway with personal experience. So Yeah. Everybody listening, go play with the Ouija board and then email them back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So Tristan, what yes. stories are you gonna bless us with tonight? Well, oh boy. Um so do you guys come from growing up like in a household where you had par- like how did you become believers in the paranormal? Oh, well, it did start with did Cindy. You... <laughs> okay. Our our older sister. So she has always been into it. I mean, Cindy, you can talk about it from, from yourself because it's your experience, but. Right. Um, I'm not sure what really, really got me interested. I say like my first memory is um, watching the History Channel and uh, there was a lot of ghost uh documentary and it was always you know some ghosts in a in a haunted castle and yeah. I love everything that has to do with old and history so I got into okay. it and um I think a mixture of um uh my religion were uh raised Catholic you know Catholic mm-hmm. and a lot of paranormal goes hand in hand with Catholicism um and yeah, and unsolved mysteries was big my during my time. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and just like just like a lot of uh, media and 
Um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I did not okay. have any personal experience until I moved in into my current home uh, with my fiance. With the demon in the attic. It was not. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Demon. It's a long story, but you can hear it on the episode. That's alarming. It is clear, it is clear now. <laughs> but, okay. yeah, it was... Did you have the house blessed or what'd you do? I blessed it. I blessed it myself. And okay. um, basically my my mother-in-law, she uh, saw a psychic medium that was fam that's famous in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. he gave her some tips on, on what to do. I uh, okay. actually didn't know at the time, but he, you know, just flat out told her that, uh, you know, we were having experiences and, and how to handle it. So, yeah. Wow. So, so he knew that you were having experiences without her even mentioning it. Correct. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Well, that gives me chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then what's really, really nice also, um, I actually did not mention this on episode one, but also the hit, uh, my fiance, his uh, father passed away uh, before he and I met and he came out in the reading and said something along the lines like who is Cindy and gave me a thumbs up so I was like wow oh, that's so sweet but also wow, that's pretty cool. I have ghost mouths <laughs> yeah. that's so sweet you know like you know my fiance's dad came through but also now I have ghosts I'm like oh. I was like hi and low yeah and yeah. it was during a uh, ghost tour that we, I found all of this out, so. Okay. It was the perfect cool. scenario. Yeah. Well, then I'll kind of, I'll set the scene for you of how I kind of came to believe. And because I, I, I came to believe from a very early age, or at least at first I didn't really believe what I was seeing. But as I got, got older, I kind of realized and accepted, you know, what I was experiencing and seeing. But um, when I was, I want to say probably like eight years old, my parents were looking to buy a new house and um, my mom and I have always been kind of weirdly connected. Like, I think I get my ability to kind of just be able to see and feel these things more from my mom. Cause mm. my mom and I are really similar that way. And she and I have had more experiences than anybody in my family, but we were driving around South Florida, looking at neighborhoods to buy a house. And we happened to turn down this little street in this neighborhood near a school that my mom went to high school at. And it was gated with like a natural preserve on one side and then the neighborhood was on the other, uh, built all near Indian burial grounds, Tequesta Indian burial grounds that were there, you know, way before, um, you know, the Spanish or any of the other settlers arrived. So really old, you know, spiritual grounds there. Didn't know that at the time, but we drive into the neighborhood and my mom's just like really connected to this neighborhood. She's saying, you know, I, I love this neighborhood. And we, we drive around the corner and then what is to be our future house is on the right in the neighborhood. And my mom's like, I, I love this house. Like it's, it's beautiful. I, I don't know why I feel so connected to it. Um, but I, you know, I want this house. Mind you, there was no for sale sign or anything outside. Mm. House was not for sale. She wrote a note basically explaining, uh, you know, it, we're looking to buy a new house. If this show ever goes on the market, don't put it up, call us. We want to buy the house. Oh she puts gosh. it in the mailbox and leave. Think nothing of it. Couple months later, we get a call from the property manager. The owner of the house died and the house was for sale. Oh so already gosh. this is kind of like a weird timing and coincidence. You know, we hadn't even thought about buying a new house. My mom was just like, I'm connected to this house. Like, we're gonna get this house. I know we just need to wait. And we waited and then we got this call. 
And it turns out that the owner that lived there, he was divorced, lived there by himself. Uh, his son came in and out randomly to live with him sometimes. He was taking a shower. And while he was showering, he had a stroke. And when he fell in the tub, he slipped. He hit his head on the corner of the oh, lip of no. the tub and split his head open and knocked himself out. And then he landed face first in the tub and his body covered the drain. So the tub filled and when he was down like this, he essentially drowned. And um, it took the neighbors about like two days to notice that water was flowing from out from the front door down the (gasps) stairs into the yard. And they called the police. So they came and knocked down the door and they found his dead, you know, bloated body just floating in the tub. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was how he passed which is very brutal and he was by himself so you know there was nobody to help him he could have lived if someone had been there at the time uh so we got this information and we were kind of like oh wow you know that's that's heavy but my mom was like you know what we'll you know we'll make sure there's good vibes in the house and all that so you know she wanted the house so we ended up buying the house and we ended up renovating it because it was smaller and we wanted to kind Mm -hmm. of expand a little bit more Mm -hmm. So the building took about two or three years before we actually moved in. Um, but I don't know if you guys have heard the theory that, you know, when there's a spirit that's not at rest, when you renovate a home yes. or a space, it can become very agitated because it's not used to the space it's used yep. to. Be in. Yep. You're just like hitting all the marks. You're like, yeah. the house, you know, spoke to her. Someone. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's, it's almost like, it. a, like a creepy movie, how yeah. it would start out, right? Where you move into the yeah. house and there's a demon there. So eventually we move into the house and we go to pick our rooms. And I'm really drawn to this specific bedroom, you know, in the certain area of the house. I'm like, this bedroom is mine. It turns out, so it was my bedroom and then the bathroom was right next to it. The bathroom was the bathroom he died in, ended up being my bathroom. Oh, and then the room I picked was his son's room that um, he had in his divorce. So I already was connected to that area of the house and I didn't even realize that 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 was the bathroom he died in because I was eight or nine years old at the time. And uh, so we moved in and things were all right the first couple of months, really weren't paying attention to like the space more, you know, decorating the home and kind of looking at all that. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I was probably like nine or 10 years old when I've had my first like really scary experience. And that was... I used to sleep in my bed with the door open and the bedroom was there. And then there was a little hallway and I could directly see from across the hall, the entrance to the bathroom where he died in. That is now my bathroom. So I'm laying in bed one night and I'm sleeping and I like have the sudden urge to wake up all of a sudden. And normally I don't wake up like I'm a sound sleeper. I wake up and my door is open and there is a shadow figure, full form, like just black figure that walks across in front of my bedroom door and then into the wall and just I have chills. Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm kind of sitting there, like nine year old me, with the, with the covers up, and I'm like, "What the hell did I just see?" And I was like, "Oh, I, I must be dreaming. Like I must be." And then before I go to bed again, it comes out of the wall and goes back the opposite direction. And and I'm like, "Okay, you know, I'm freaked out. I must be dreaming." Pull the covers over my head, go back to sleep. A couple nights later, happens again keeps happening keeps happening i get so freaked out i'm like i'm scared to sleep with my door closed because i don't want it to be completely dark but i was so scared that i had to sleep with my door closed so i started sleeping with my door closed i was okay for about two weeks and then after that i wake up in the middle of the night and there's a shadow figure standing in the corner of my room oh my god and it was like yeah poor baby 
the best way to explain is like you're laying in bed and I wake up and I, I'm kind of groggy, but I look and standing in the corner where my door is closed is like this really tall shadow figure, like probably seven feet tall, oh. really tall. I remember and just um, pitch black. Darkness in the room. Yeah, like I could see it in the in the darkness of the room, mm-hmm. and the walls were almost distorted. Like everything around it was distorted and kind of pushed away. Interesting. And um, so I started telling my mom about how I was having these experiences, and she was saying, you know, I've been having having similar experiences too, where she'll be walking in the house and she passes by my sister's room and she hears someone go <gasps> like a voice, a legit voice, and she's home alone. My dad's at work. We're at school. Oh, she's there wow. by herself. Um, one night she wakes up and there's a woman in a dress sitting on the corner of her bed and like an old colonial style dress, mm-hmm. just staring at my mom like this. And my mom looks at her like this. And then the woman leans in really quick and my mom screams and puts up her hand. And it's when she puts up her hand, she disappears. And my dad wakes up. He's like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh my God. you know, there's a woman oh, on the gosh. corner of my bed. So my mom and I kind of start relating about these experiences. So we start to do more research into it. And then that's when we find out that our whole neighborhood is built on or around Native American burial grounds. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. And our neighbor was in, she had been living there for probably like 50 years already. You know, she was totally like the neighborhood old lady that watched over everyone, which is kind of like, the neighborhood watch when she she was saying when she first moved into the neighborhood she was walking in her backyard and she fell through a hole in the ground like she was just walking straight through a hole she fell into an old well that was from the 1700s that settlers had had there and at the bottom of the well when she fell she found a little silver spoon with somebody's initials engraved into it oh and it was like a 16th 17th century kind of like teaspoon oh my god so just the whole neighborhood, everyone has like had weird experiences or just, you know, weird coincidences. Um, so we deduce, at least in our house, that these occurrences are happening because of the guy's name was Ed, who died in our house. And we kind of concluded it doesn't feel negative. It's just like somebody's there and saying, hey, I'm here. Right. And we, we, we named him Ed just because we're like, it must have been the previous owner of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it kind of became like a jovial kind of funny thing, whatever, something weird would happen. We'd be like, oh, it's Ed. Little you know. Eddie. <laughs> yes. Stop it, Ed. Because, you know, we'd be in the kitchen and something would fly off the counter on the floor. And we'd kind of look at each other and be like, haha, you know, it's Ed. Ed, you jokester, you. Yeah. Oh, oh whatever. <laughs> silly and I was home like two months ago and we were sitting all at the kitchen table and we had an air freshener on top of our refrigerator and you know the top of the refrigerator is huge and it's in the middle there's no way it's moving it's been there for years it legit just flies off the top of the refrigerator and slams and breaks into a million pieces on the floor oh we all kind of look at each other we're like oh it's Ed you know (laughs) he's like welcome Um, home (laughs) yeah he's like hey you're home knock shit over (laughs) and the weird thing is when I left it kind of like died down a little bit. And as we lived there longer, it died down. But I've noticed every time I come home, something weird happens. Either my mom has an experience or I have an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then going back a little bit, when we were growing up, I would have my friends over and we would want to do ghost hunts, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when we learned that the whole neighborhood was built on top of Indian burial grounds. So it's like, what if we went to the burial ground and see if we could catch anything? (laughs) Um, so you 
yeah, we were, we were really stupid. So we walked down the street and at the end of the street is the fence that goes to the preserve. So you literally hop the fence, you walk like a quarter of a mile back and there's legit a burial mound underneath like a 900 year old oak tree, right? And this oak tree was very, uh, it was ceremonial to them. They worship uh-huh. this tree and they bury their dead under the tree. So uh-huh. you go there and if you were to dig into the ground, you would find like skeletons and old relics and all these things that they buried. So big mound, and then you can kind of like walk around it. They had a little boardwalk because it was a place you could tour. So we went around, I don't know, like midnight with a bunch of my friends and we walked down there, we sit down. And immediately when we sit down, it's like all the birds and the crickets that are going off at night, usually just like go dead quiet. You just don't hear anything. No nature, mind you, you're in the middle of a preserve, right? There's birds and animals. It was dead silent. Like you could hear a pin drop. And we're all kind of looking at each other like, oh, you know, maybe we're just creeped out. We're just in a scary setting. And uh, and then we start hearing footsteps around us, like walking all around, all around. And then we start hearing whispers and voices. Oh, and no. it was oh, in God. a different language that we couldn't understand, which, you know, we obviously assume was whatever language that they spoke. Right. Um, so you're hearing like moving and then branches cracking and it's getting closer and closer to us. And we got so creeped out that we're like, okay, we're going to leave. So we leave. And it turns out the week before we went and did that, they let a group of ghost hunters go back there and do a, um, like a, you know, they wanted to do a session with the spirit box and with EVP equipment. And one of the people there actually got attacked. They were sitting down in a circle doing one of the spirit talk boxes and um they heard this noise in the tree above them and they looked above them and there was like this weird figure up in the tree and it threw a huge branch down at them and it sliced one of the investigators faces all the way across the face oh my gosh yeah so that's terrifying i i am like a big believer that whatever is there on that land is like something maybe that they summon to protect the land you know like the whole yeah. skinwalker theory have you heard of that yes we have skin- where the native american tribes yeah they say like okay these people are coming into our lands we're going to summon this creature that will essentially like protect, protect our land yeah right. so I, i'm convinced that it's some sort of i don't know i believe it creature or something that because i just it's pretty that's scary. crazy oh, so God. those were i mean so many stories like just the neighborhood itself is like a, a hotbed for for spiritual activity definitely an interesting place to grow up oh my god I, uh, so uh, everything is still exists still obviously like you just mentioned that's where your parents still live and mm-hmm. oh my goodness has yeah, it they still been expanded no which is the great thing because you know i think in, in a lot of areas now where there's a big uh, metropolitan boom it's hard to find neighborhoods that are really tucked away and we're really lucky where we got to grow up was really really tucked away compared to the rest of miami right uh, you know, cul-de-sacs and regular neighborhoods we actually had nature right on our back doorstep yes. and since it's a natural preserve you know, the government owns it so we can't expand on it right. so our neighborhood essentially is will always remain that way at least more tucked away yeah um, which is great oh, good. i feel like that's a good thing honestly I think it's great too. I mean, you know, I'm really happy at least they're not... the spirits have somewhere to be. Exactly. Like they're not disturbing the peace. It makes me think of the movie Poltergeist. I was just going to say that. Did anyone watch Poltergeist? Because that's the whole, literally that's 
because you're explaining. It's a warning. <laughs> oh my god! Which, by the way, did you know that on the set of the movie they use real um, bones? Really? <laughs> what? It's real bones are cheaper than like plastic fake bones. So In what idiots, world does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the idiots used like so. That's how like that movie setting was also a little haunted, haunted. Mm-hmm. Oh my wow. gosh! Yeah. Well, you hear about how a lot of movie sets, they end up shooting like these stories or based off of true stories. And a lot of the cast and crew have like these horrible, yes. weird experiences. And like they say that the sets are cursed or, you know, there's some sort of like spiritual connection. Yep. But I don't think that's a coincidence, especially if you're using like real bones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That are kind of connecting the dead to your set. Yeah. Exactly. What, what is the movie? They had to have a priest on set and like bless everybody. Every I think it was The Exorcist. Scenes. Was yeah. it? Yeah. I oh, think my that, gosh. Yeah, the Exorcist. would have priests at movie theaters. That, too. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. There's a documentary on TV that is going to come out on The Exorcist, and you can see, like, you know, um, clips from uh, movie theaters in the 70s when it was coming out, and people were, like, fainting, and, like, oh, it was, I, I want to watch it. I'm excited. Well, it's interesting because you watch you watch that movie now and it looks so corny compared That's to so the horror movies now, right? <laughs> My mom's like, it scared me. I couldn't sleep for a week. And I watched it and I just thought it was funny, you know, because the <laughs> graphics and everything were so, so you, not what they are now. Yeah, exactly. All, although her going down the steps, like, and like basically backhand springing down the steps is still yes i'm trying to think of what else. let's see well i there was an experience where i played with the ouija board in our house oh my god very you did not. You oh. Did. Yeah. let me take note <laughs> i thought it was indestructible in high school right i was like oh well you know I'm 17 years old. Nothing can kill me. I'm going to play with a Ouija board in the You're house. Like, I got Ed every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's watching over me. Um, so my friends and I would all really get into it right the weekends. They would all come over to my house and we would go ghost hunting or we would play with the Ouija board. Actually, one time we played with the Ouija board and that was it. We retired it. Yeah. Um, one and done. Then one and done. We had enough. So we went to the downstairs living room in our house and uh, set it up and we lit some candles, right? The ambiance. We're like, okay, we're going to really like make this proper. So we waited for my parents to go to bed and we're all downstairs. It's me and three other friends. So there's four of us sitting around this round ottoman that we have with the Ouija board in the middle. So we put our fingers on it and, you know, at first we're like moving it and playing around and we're like, haha, you know, just joking, not thinking anything's going to happen. I was like, all right, guys, let's take this seriously. Let's do it. So we all get in the zone and we kind of, start asking questions and nothing's happening and all of a sudden the the room gets noticeably colder like the temperature starts to drop and we're all kind of got goosebumps and uh and then we go when we feel it i'm like okay is anybody here and then the little dial on the board starts moving and then we're looking at each other saying all right all right who's doing it like who's moving it and we're all looking at each other yeah stone face like i'm not moving it and so we're like okay well, then we said, my friend asked, if, if anybody is here, touch one of us. Show us that you're here. And I kid you not, less than 10 seconds after he asked that question, all of the hairs on his right arm start to stand up like this. And he's, he goes, dude, someone's touching my arm right now. Look at my arm. Oh. And my, we're, all, we, we're all, our hair is down, like 
you know, it, when we look at his right arm and his hairs are standing straight up and I go to put my hand where his arm is and it's like this cold mass feeling of massive energy, just like noticeably 15, 20 degrees colder than the rest of the room. Oh, I'm like, God. oh my God, there's someone here. Then immediately after he does that, we hear a clank in the kitchen and we all turn back and look and I looked like my dad was walking across in the kitchen. Like that's how real the figure look, looked. And I thought oh, it was my okay. dad coming downstairs to get dessert because he usually comes down late to get dessert and then says goodnight and goes back upstairs. <laughs> so yeah. we were like, oh, oh, it's just our dad, whatever. So we go back to it. My dad comes downstairs 20 minutes later and I joke when he comes back downstairs. I said, oh, you're coming back down for more dessert? And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I oh, just saw God. you come down here 15 minutes ago to get something. And he was like, no, I've been upstairs the whole night. I just came down now to get dessert. And then we all looked at each other and we were like, oh shit, it's time to pack this up. So we packed <laughs> it up and we put it back in the closet. And then my grandmother came by the next week and she saw she had one and she literally like took it from us. And she was like, no, you can't have this. Good. I'm going to get rid of it. She took it home and she burned it. Good. Uh, yeah, grandma knows what's up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She got rid of it. And I was like, okay, I don't know what ever we communicated it definitely wasn't ed because it had a completely different vibe like it just felt weirder right. and i'd say that that was probably like one of the experiences i had where it was something close to feeling like uncomfortable and oh, no. maybe didn't have great intentions yeah um, maybe yeah it had maybe a little bit of a negative connotation um so i'm glad that we kind of retired it and right. didn't play with it again uh, ouija board was it <laughs> it was it was one we bought at toys r us oh my god <laughs> Toys R Us? <laughs> yeah, Toys R Us at the time sold yeah. <laughs> a Ouija board. And I was like, oh, whatever. You know, it's, oh, it, it's not some old like, Ouija board this... that's been handed down to the family. Yeah, it's not like so, a handcrafted. It's a damn factory made. Made in China. <laughs> yes. And then I want to tell you what, if you want to speak to the dead, go buy a Hasbro Ouija board. It'll work just fine. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. And then you come tell us your ghost stories. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was another experience. And it was definitely like one of the scarier ones terrifying oh, as you were telling the story i was thinking like if i find out that my kids are downstairs with a ouija board as i'm trying to sleep i would rage i'd be like are you yeah. serious have i taught you nothing and like, <laughs> throw a slipper from above like, beat him with it. the slipper <laughs> get out of here right boys now. are different though boys you know are a little more you know outgoing and don't really listen to their parents <laughs> especially when you're like 16 17 years old oh, you think you're indestructible yep yeah, i'm like exactly. no demon is gonna come get me yeah, try I you know yep. and i look back and i'm like you were stupid <laughs> but i think it's also that mentality that like mentality that like you're good to go like nothing can touch me that does kind of help in a way I feel yes. like if you go in there like kind of vulnerable and scared, you'll be more likely to be attacked or get something attached to you. But if you yes. really go in there like with the, eh, this, nothing's going to happen. I think you stand a better chance. Personal opinion, just from what mm -hmm. I've like seen on, on TV, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Not like in person, but. I totally agree. I, I actually, I just finished reading this book a couple months ago. Um, it was written by this priest that was, um, basically like contracted by the Vatican to go and check out all these different cases of possession in the United States back in like the sixties and the seventies. Was he from Minneapolis? He might've been. Yeah, I, think I, I can tell you that the, the, yeah. the name of the book escapes me. 
I think he, um, he, if it's the same person, he was involved in the um, investigation that basically inspired the exorcist, which it was a boy. I remember, yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't yes. a girl. But yeah, I, maybe. I think it might have been a different person because the stories okay. he talked about were different. Um, okay, okay, okay. Um, but the, the main idea in the book he was kind of talking about was like how all of these people intertwine with each other, like what made them so susceptible to being possessed or taken advantage of by these spirits. And mm -hmm. it all kind of like comes down to the same, you know, core values of uh, being like open and vulnerable and letting something like that take advantage of you, even if you're not aware of it. Because yeah. in the book, he talks about how possession can take sometimes decades to totally to take form and take right. over your life where it starts as little things and then you accept those little things and let that become a rooting part of your life and it kind of like snowballs into finally like the big moment where um, call it a demon or an evil spirit or whatever has broken you down enough that can finally like take fully take take you over and right. like consume your life um and it appeared to all of these people in different manifestations or forms. Like one of the guys was, uh, he always said he had had mental illness, right? Which is like, I guess a common argument is like, are these people mentally ill or right. are they actually being afflicted by something in the spirit world? Right. Right. And this guy had been seeing a therapist for years and they wrote it off as mentally ill and just like was super depressed. Uh, but he had, basically a um, an imaginary friend or like a person that talked to him uh, that would appear and tell him to do all of these horrible things and would torment him. And that was how it kind of got access. Like it tormented him for years oh and finally gosh. broke him down enough that he allowed it to come into his, you know, his body and his space mm -hmm. with the promise that it would go away. And then of course it didn't. And right. he, the priest got involved and how, you know, all these exorcisms took place and each exorcism was very different and like these spirits would take advantage of people in different ways and know things about the priest in his life that nobody could explain, right? Oh, wow. Just super, super scary. And oh. it makes you think like after you play with the Ouija board, you're like, mm. Yeah. yeah. God. Like, oh. No, thank you. I know. Okay. All right, do um, you have another story for us, Kristen? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I have, I, <laughs> so I have another one. Yeah, I have another one. That, um, so the preserve where we lived by in our house, it's mm -hmm. called the Deering Estate. Um, it's nationally known as like one of the most haunted places in the United States just because mm -hmm. the Native Americans were there a long time ago. And then uh, once settlers came in and, and people started to like develop the Miami region, there's this guy called Charles Deering. And he was a really notable um, figure in the early early 1900s in like construction and he was just like a very affluent rich mm -hmm. white guy that mm -hmm. um, bought a lot of properties and I don't know if you guys know Vizcaya have mm -hmm. you heard of Vizcaya mm -hmm. the park this guy yeah. in Deering Estate so he like bought all that land and then gave it away to Nat like to the parks to become um, preserves and stuff so he just owned a lot of land in Miami yeah. so the preserve we live next live next to is called the Deering Estate so it's named after Charles Deering and on the property, once you go past where the uh, burial grounds are, is his estate, his house that he built to live in wow. the middle of this Native American uh, cool. land. So you walk in to the front gates of the entrance, and it's this huge, beautiful uh, coral home, right? All coral, no wood. 
he had this um, unnecessary, just completely irrational fear of fire. Like he always was afraid that he was going to burn alive or like die in a in a house house fire. He probably died in his past life, likely. And yeah, well, after the the Great Chicago Fire that happened, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but from what I recall, he lived in Chicago at the time that happened, and he just saw all the devastation that happened. He was like when I leave, when I move, I'm never living in a wood house because so many people like burned alive and died Ooh. in a city. Right. So he came, built this house completely out of coral, beautiful house, just amazing. Um, and ironically, he lived in that house for a long time, but then he built a wooden guest house next to the house. Where... <laughs> he said, fuck the guests, they're fine. <laughs> oh no, but you want to hear the crazy part? It burned down. Oh my God. After he built it. Yeah. So this, whatever this connection to fear he had, call it like his tie with the land or like he just kind of had this weird premonition of like, I'm not going to live in a wood house. The guest house burned down shortly after that, early 1900s. And uh, they had to rebuild it again. So you walk into the house um, and there's said to be like many spirits that haunt that house because a lot of people have died. Charles Deering died on the property, the original house owner. Um, His wife disappeared when he was married and they never figured out why she disappeared. Granted, it was the early 1900s. If you wanted to make your wife disappear, you could do it and the authorities wouldn't ask question, right? 100%. So, you're, you're uh, rich. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and he was one of the richest men in South Florida at the time. Like nobody Ooh. bothered him, nobody touched him. And so his wife went missing one uh, one day and people started asking questions saying like, oh, where'd your wife go? He was like, oh, she she just left. Uh, but the weird thing is that he built a cellar in his basement during prohibition, uh, behind a bookcase, you pull the bookcase out and there's a giant safe behind that safe. Is it like a little speakeasy where he would store all of his wine and liquor during the prohibition and hide it. So construction records showed that when his wife disappeared immediately after he had the floor of the cellar covered with concrete <gasps> that's suspicious oh, that's there and some people even reported that the people that came they're not sure if it's rumor or if it's true but the construction workers that came to cover what was then dirt floor with mm-hmm. concrete said that there was an area in the corner that had disturbed dirt like someone had recently dug a hole and it was like about the size of mm-hmm. a body mm-hmm. so apparently the, the rumor is he murdered his wife and buried her in the cellar and then had it put over and they've never run any tests to see if there's anything underneath. What? Um, but we heard about that story, and we said, "Let's go find it. Find out. Let's go talk to her ghost and see if she's there. If she's oh, dead, if she's murdered." So we went there uh, during a field trip in middle school. I took a photography <laughs> class, and we went there to take pictures. So we kind of like broke away from the pack. It was me and three other friends. And the basement is off limits, but there's not a lot of security there all the time. And I grew up going there as a kid because we would live right down the street. So you walk into the guest house that burned down but is now rebuilt, and there's an elevator that you hit basement and takes you down. So we kind of look around. We're like, okay, there's no no staff, there's security. Like, let's get in the elevator and go to the basement. So we walk in, we press basement. Yeah, and we're like going down in the elevator, and we're like, you know, pinching and hitting each other. We're like, oh, let's, yeah. be fun. let's see if we find our ghost. And then immediately as the door opens, this cold rush of air comes in, just like really cold, hair starts standing up. And we're like looking at each other, oh, we're in the basement, you know, hot air rises. It's probably just really cold down here. And we're just, you know, being geeky and like nervous. (laughs) So we walk in and 
it's I'm trying to explain like think of a big concrete room with like little rooms that are have walls in the back corners but you can like okay. walk into but okay. it's, it's storage so mm -hmm. they have chairs stacked in this one corner and then they have like Christmas ornaments and gear in the other corner and then right. and then behind you is the hallway that connects to the cellar okay. where the prohibition era alcohol stuff was stored so we walk in and we say okay let's split up my friend and I will go this way and you two go that way so that if we see anything we'll like corner it so we start walking in two different directions like this going towards the corner mm -hmm. and I'm immediately drawn to the darkest corner in the cellar I don't of know course. why just in that corner they have all these chairs stacked and I'm like we need to walk towards there we start walking towards there and then we're maybe 15 feet from the corner and then this stack of chairs that is there shifts it moves it kind of goes like uh, like just moves ever so slightly enough that we we all heard it and we stopped so my friend and I turn and look at it. My other friends are on like 20 feet away from us on the other side of the corner and turn mm -hmm. and look at it. So we're all looking at this corner. And I kid you not, from around the corner comes this short little shadow figure, like probably, I don't know, four, three or four feet tall, comes out from the corner where the chair shifted, turns directly towards my friend mm -hmm. and I, comes right at us. We scream and grab each other. And as we scream and grab each other, it goes through us. Oh like my it, gosh. And as soon as it touches us, like I get this jolt of energy and electricity and all my hairs are standing up and we scream and we're like, run. And we turn and we start running. And as we're running down the hallway towards the cellar, we hear a female voice behind us scream, wait, stop. And <gasps> we thought it was a security guard that heard us being rowdy. So we're running. We think it's a security guard that just went, wait, stop. So we start running down the hall and then we stop around the corner. We're just kind of like, what, what just happened to us? And we're waiting for a security guard because there's only yeah. one way out, which is the elevator because the door is closed to the cellar and it's locked. So we're mm -hmm. pinned in this corner waiting for the security guard to come and nobody comes. Oh my gosh. So we all, kind of look so at we all kind of look at each other and we're like, we all heard this voice. And we're the only people down here. So we walk back to where we saw it because that was the way out to go back to the elevator. And that cold, dense air, completely gone. It's hot and humid again. Um, that feeling of like being creeped out, gone. So whatever was there what? disappeared. Um, but we like to think that maybe we heard the wife's oh. voice calling out to us when we were running. It was trying to make a connection or something. Listen, that's terrifying. No, it's that sad, is. but it's still super I, scary. I my shit gosh. my pants a little, like no joke. Yeah, no. <laughs> you screamed and ran. I like how but you I, you guys were like, yeah, let's go ghost hunting. And then uh, by the time you go back up the other like, the elevator, you're like, nope, never again. Just we're all like, our eyes are glossed again. over. Yeah, we're just, oh. we meet up with our teacher and they're like, you look like you've just seen a ghost. And we're like, uh -huh. oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, yep. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, little do you know. What an I, asshole. I feel horrible. I really, I really hope like someone can just go back down there with the spirit box and like really just capture that evidence that if, if she, like what happened to her, because even if she um, wasn't murdered there, maybe her spirit went back there. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like if, yeah. I see, if I was a psychic medium, I would like that. That's what I would do all day. Just go to these places. And like, if I had the energy and just be like, crawl, go into the light <sighs> and like yeah. help them cross over and like, okay, next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Oh. I feel like it, if, if you're especially like a murder victim or like people that had an untimely kind of unexpected death, those seem to be the spirits that maybe stick around because they're confused if they're still alive or yeah. you know, what's kind of going on. Yeah.
Um, but you guys should really like check it out on um, online or if you're ever in that area, you have to go because I mean, people just have like the weirdest experience. They have pictures there of like ghosts people have caught and they've literally caught like the apparition of a woman in an old colonial dress. Like oh my the, there's an office on the third floor of the house and the people that work there say that there's an angry spirit up on the third floor that like attacks employees and like tries to push them oh downstairs. And that's why you don't play with the Ouija board. No. God, no, you don't do it. Yeah, don't do it, kids. <laughs> What was, okay, I, I just wanted to know, what was the most recent place you went to ghost hunt? Oh, yeah. So I went to Calico Ghost Town, uh, and it's in Calico, California, which is two and a half hours from L.A. It's like the halfway the point. <laughs> what? Like the cat? Cal like Calico Cat? No. So it's actually named after, there's a color called Calico. Oh. And... Um, they named the town Calico in the 1800s just because the color of the mountain peak there is the color of Calico. I love so that's it. Where, that's so that's where the name came from. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's the halfway point between LA and Vegas. So it's, it's really not a far drive from the city. It took us like two and a half hours to get there. And you can camp on the outskirts of the town, which is what we did. Um, so you go and you set up your tent and you feel like you're on another planet just because I guess all of the rocks and dirt are calico covered. So you feel kind of like you're on Mars when you're walking around because it's just all this dead terrain with mountains and it's all like this reddish kind of color. So it's really pretty. Um, but we went just to go explore the town and like try to go do a ghost hunt. And since it was a the biggest silver mining town in, in Southern California or in the whole state of California actually, in the 1880s, they produced the most silver in the whole state. It was a boom town. So you had a lot of like people coming from all over the world wanting to uh, score their riches by finding silver. And with that came a lot of crime and murder. And there's just a lot the of people wild that, west. yes, where the wild west was born in this. It's like these boom towns where <laughs> people would come in. I just watched again the other day. So now I'm like getting picked Oh, <laughs> I've wanted to watch it. So I've heard it's good. So um, the, you know, uh, you, you, there have the original town cemetery there you can go see and it's you know, walk in it says calico i'm going to post a video on it later today actually i made a video for it so stay tuned um but it says calico cemetery and it's all the original gravestones or oh some God. of them vandals have taken a lot of them but there are still a few left but there are these basically like um people stacked stones on top of the graves we're, we're getting sorry. freaked out i'm sorry oh, you're getting freaked out <laughs> No. She's um, like, I have super chills. It gives you super chills. I mean, you like walk into the cemetery and it's all these, the little mounds where they stack the rocks over the coffins and stuff. And like, there's children buried there that died in the 1800s. Like oh, there's adults, God. there's like people all between all ages that either like got sick or just died from being murdered in the town. And, um, I don't know. Have you guys heard of not? <laughs> you freaked out. That's like running around. I know. He's in the background distracting him. And it's an orange cat too. So it's like, oh, oh. this yes. is what you get when you have sisters. Like, <laughs> they, we were doing really well in the beginning. Okay. And now, now I freaked you guys out too much. I know. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what? She's literally like not eating me. Like how scared she is. I'm like, okay, girl, I get it. Dude. They have Sydney has a cat too. Um, his name's Tango. Oh, really? He was an orange little fluff ball. I don't know if you saw him in the background in the beginning when we first started, but he no, also he like attacks stuff while we're recording. 
for some reason. He always attacks bags mostly, but he like, <laughs> freaks everyone out. He freaks everyone out, so he's probably uh, running. He's, in the he's seeing something that you're not seeing, right? Yes. Like a ghost or the God. demon in your in your the attic. demon in the attic. <laughs> uh, okay, so Boomtown. Have you guys heard of Notberry Farm? Notberry Farm. No. It's yeah. It's a staple in Southern California. It's a yeah. theme park. Yeah. Um, yeah, Walter Knott, he was like a big guy in the early 1900s also, was like very affluent. He like bought a lot of land. So he built this theme park in Southern California called Knott's Berry Farm. Mm -hmm. He loved the Wild West and he was, uh, he actually had been to that town a few times when he was younger. So when the town was abandoned and it had been abandoned for a long time, he bought it and then refurbished it so that it could be a place for people to come see and kind of like relive what the Wild West was like back then. Very Westworld vibes. Yeah, so it's like, it's a little touristy in the sense that you show up and a lot of the buildings are like skeleton buildings, right? Just kind of built to refurbish. There are original things still there, like the old schoolhouse and whatnot, but it's like reduced in size. But the cool part is really like what's outside of the town where where you're camping. We walked up the little hill from where our campsite was and then there was open mines from what? the 1800s where the prospectors would go. And in the whole town, there's over 500 different open mines you can wow. find. Holy so you literally walk away from your campsite, and then there are open mines there that you can go and explore, right? Which is not recommended because it's dangerous. But but I, I love here in Southern California, since it was like a, a boom town with gold and everything, you can drive away from the city and the mountains here, and there's all these abandoned mines that we go and explore and stuff, and it's really cool. And it has all this crazy paranormal history of like, you know, these miners that got buried alive in mine collapses or explosions because of gas buildup in the mines. Oh, um, no. So a lot of spiritual experiences can happen for people that are exploring the mines. So that's what, what we kind of like wanted to set out to do is um, unfortunately the, the town was closed at night, so they didn't allow us to go in and ghost hunt, but we kind of went on the outskirts of the town and we like went into some of the mines and it was a full moon that night, which. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> And, and the full moon was so bright, we didn't need our headlamps. We could literally see the ground. So we hiked out into oh, the mountains wow. in the middle of nowhere, just in this ghost town, it, walking into these literally. mines and really creepy feelings and vibes. Okay, we didn't experience. <laughs> what? Yes. Get on, get on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, get on TikTok. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it was cool. I, we, we walked into one of the, um, the mines and we went like pretty far back and I'd say the creepiest thing that happened to us is like we went into the mine and then we immediately like got this really cold feeling and mines don't change temperature right because once you start carving back it's the temperature of the bedrock yeah. mm -hmm. and it's usually around like 64 65 degrees it doesn't really change that much so when you're in a controlled environment like a cave and you feel a temperature change especially when it's warm and then it's cold it's like not really normal so it started <laughs> to get pretty cold and we got this really creeped out vibe and you can't see your hand this close to your face when you're in these mines because they're so dark right so we turn on our light and then we felt like something was like rushing towards us coming Eesh. towards us so we we turned and we ran out of there we were like me you know yeah. that <laughs> so was what that was the tiktok i saw and i was like oh Hell to the no. I was like, no, 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 no. Well, have you guys seen the Netflix special that was out about the Cecil Hotel yet? Yes. Yes. I was like, oh my God, that's what I was going to ask. How far is that from you? Literally a mile down the street from me over here. Uh -uh. Oh my God, you're lying. Yeah. No, no joke. Wait, here, let me see. Uh, like, you can't see the building from here, but. Hold on. I'm going to take a picture of this real quick, if you don't mind. So, can I? You, yeah, you're fine. So, do you see, can you see the city over here? Yes. So, I'm close to downtown. 
Cecil Hotels like right over there. Stop. Yeah. That's and when this so when the special came out, I was like, hey, you know what? Let's go check it out. So I went and drove over and there's like all these people and these tourists yep. out there now trying to like take pictures and stuff. Yeah. And they've shut the building down now because they don't want people coming in yeah. just because if it's like yeah. I guess it's bad for their um Rep. for their image. Yeah. Oh well actually here I have one more thing to show you because um so I when I moved in I didn't even realize it. Let's see, can I see it from here? You can kind of see this building right here. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's actually listed as like one of the most haunted buildings in LA as well, because what? it was built in the twenties, I believe. Um, but yeah. it was a shopping mall for like the super rich oh. in the 1920s in early LA. And I can I can see into the windows at night and um, at night the lights go on and off by themselves. No. And it's been closed because of COVID. It's no. a law. It's a law building now for a law school and it's been shut down since COVID. So nobody's in the building and I'll be, be sitting here watching TV at night and the, um, the lights start flickering and going on and by themselves. And I'm like legit standing, staring out the window, looking like, oh, do I see anything? <laughs> Have you ever tried to record? You see if you can record? Is it yeah, if, if when it happens again, I'll record it and send it to you guys. Cause it happens probably like once or twice a month. I'll just be looking and the lights are turning on and oh off by God. themselves. And I'm, um, yeah. You're like communicating Wait, gonna... with it, like turning off. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, you're we're doing okay. a, like Morse code with the lights. <laughs> it just, wherever I go, it seems sometimes like paranormal stuff follows me. I love it. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry for you. But... <laughs> <laughs> I feel That's sorry. Haunted. <laughs> I, at least, at least it's like nothing. I mean, I, evil. I pray yeah. exactly evil. So I'm very right. happy that it's all been nothing too, too bad. Mm. yeah i've never been traumatized to be completely honest which i'm happy about right that's yeah. good oh so it's called um the bullet bullocks wilshire building yeah Ooh. whoa so that's a building. really pretty building that is a cool building so that's what the inside used to look so this is what it looked like i guess back in the uh early 1900s yeah so it has like a very kind of gothic vibe to it mm -hmm. but my apartment building is directly to the right <laughs> Stop. of where the front of the building is so i'm literally just right next to it and i'll watch the lights go on and off by itself that's so cool i mean that's scary oh but that's cool yeah so i'm trying to think what else I think that's, the, that's really the, the juicy stuff i love it stuff. Yeah. tristan thank you so much thank you. Seriously. oh of course can we do this once a week like <laughs> Well, I was going to say, if you guys ever want to collaborate in the future, like, let yeah, me know. I mean, I'm, I'm always open. Yes. I think it's, you guys are like the first real people that I've really connected with um, in the community since yeah. I started doing my TikTok, which is really exciting. So I would love to keep the dialogue and like, just keep in touch with you guys. Yes, if you guys absolutely. are ever out in California or you're back in Florida or in Miami or whatever, like, yeah. let me know. Yeah. And if I'm free or if I'm ever in the area, like we should right. just meet up and if you Just ever want to ghost hunter do something dc we're here oh yes if you ever okay. come here let us know yeah and cool. don't forget us little people when you get big on tiktok too oh, i was gonna say the same thing to you guys when you're oh, when your stop. podcast has millions of followers because i i am now a devoted listener so i'm gonna go back and listen to all your stuff i appreciate yeah. it i swear we'll get better <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Thank you, All right, you Thank guys. You. Thank you so much. It was great oh, talking to you and great meeting you. Thank you. And we'll be in touch soon. Yes. yes. Good night. Sounds good. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.